All right, welcome back, everybody. We are here with another episode, and we are continuing in our discussion of the cardinal virtues. We're talking about the the, the difference between uh, spiritual or kingdom warriors versus wimps, and we are defining warriors in a very specific way, one who knows God's Word and does it consistently. We tacked on that consistently after our last episode on courage. I highly encourage you to encourage <laughs> encourage you to go watch our episode from last time if you are uh, coming into this in the, in the middle. Don't forget if you're on one of the podcast stations, uh, Spotify or one of the others, uh, definitely go and give us a rating. Follow the podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. And also, if you're on YouTube, it's absolutely important. Give us that thumbs up so that these videos get pushed out there in front of more people. But if you like the content and you're you're growing from this, you're enjoying it, then again, give us that thumbs up. Follow us by subscribing, clicking the bell so that you will get notified when the new uh, episodes come out, which is generally on Fridays right now with the uh, with the YouTube channel. So generally Friday, um, early evening, late afternoon is when we drop the videos. So God bless you. Hope everyone is doing well. And we want to dive into sort of part two of our discussion. If you'll recall, we, we talked about uh, the first of the four uh, cardinal virtues that we're discussing, which are courage, self-control, justice, and of course, wisdom. Um, we talked about courage already, and now we're going to dive into temperance or self-control. Um, really, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to living for God, so much of the kingdom of God is about balance. It's about not going too crazy over here off to the left, not going too crazy here, you know, on the right, but being a balanced. Um, sort of middle ground. Satan doesn't really care which direction we go if he can throw us off. If he throws us off to the left, fine. If he throws us off to the right, fine. If we get hyper-religious and traditional and um, things start to become more works-based and less Christ-oriented, that's fine. He doesn't care if we want to be really super staunch and religious, uh, as long as we're not balanced, center, following Christ, walking in love and obedience like we're supposed to. On the other hand, he doesn't care if we go completely carnal, completely licentious, oh, we've got liberty and freedom, or if we go totally, there is no God, we can just do whatever we want. Um, he doesn't really care which of those extremes, as long as we push closer to an extreme. He doesn't want us in the balanced middle where God wants us, where the scriptures try to try to etch out, <laughs> right? The, the scriptures try to etch out a balanced, mature walk with Christ. Um, you know, flights of fancy and uh, spontaneity. You know, people talk about being spontaneous, and a lot of times it. Really, it's really what they mean is impetuous um, and impatient, and they'll just say, oh, but it's spontaneous. Well, there's nothing wrong with a little spontaneity here and there, right? You're, you come home and, hey, honey, let's just, let's just go grab a bite to eat, have a spontaneous date night. 
Oh, that's okay. That's fine. Be spontaneous. Uh, same situation. You come home after work. You haven't talked about it. You haven't prayed about it much. And you just walk in the door and you say, hey, honey, you know what? We're going to sell everything we have. We're going to go move to uh, another continent and just do the will of God there. That kind of spontaneity, you may not want to try <laughs> because there's a balance in God. Doesn't mean that God doesn't call people to do things like that, but generally it's not going to be in the middle of a of a uh, you know a prayer meeting. You you've got your spouse and your children and and different things that you're supposed to be caring for and worrying about and considering whenever whenever you make decisions. And uh, all of a sudden somebody mentions some country that you never heard of, and you're just like, you know what? I think I'll go there. Maybe that was the call of God, but let's be balanced about it, prayerful about it. Small little decisions, what you're going to eat for breakfast, probably don't need to pray a whole bunch about that, but life-changing, impacting decisions, those need to be taken with care, maturity, balance. And so today we're talking about self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says it this way, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. No defenses, no here or there. The walls are broken down. Everything is open when you don't have self-control. You can't control yourself. You can't control impulses. You can't control yourself at all. And that is a, a major problem. We are supposed to be able to bridle ourselves and have self-control. And if we want to be a warrior for God, you know, it uh, doesn't matter what capacity what giftings we might have, whether we're in leadership or not leadership. Are we, are we more on the side of the, you know, the prophetic and the prayer and intercession and things like that? Or are we more of a teacher? Or are we more of a, let's get out there and, and bring people in through connection and evangelism? And It doesn't really matter. If we don't have self-control, we are going to be completely ineffective over the long term. Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Now you tell me that's not counterintuitive to the ideas and the thinking of a lot of modern society, Western culture. I mean, we're we're about the, the flash in the pan. We're about the shooting star. We're about the do a great exploit. Even if it's not that great of an exploit, we can just kind of spin it so it sounds like it is, right? Then, um, that I mean, that's where it's at. Get those likes. Get those. Get those. Um, those subs. Get. I mean, get. Get. Get the. Get the. The social media generating and buzzing about you. Well, not so much. When it comes to weightier matters, things of the eternal, things of the kingdom of God, Scripture says, "Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty." Now, probably even best if you are mighty and slow to anger, right? But what's this saying? Anybody can do a one-time great deed. Anybody can do a flash in the pan. Anybody can come to a service and the power of God is just moving and flowing and make bold declarations from this day forth, right? But talk to me two weeks later when life is kicking you in the teeth again. You know, talk to me when you're discouraged or disappointed over some you know job promotion that you didn't get or somebody hurts your little feelings or, or whatever and we all have these things I get disappointed I get, can get discouraged I can get frustrated I, I I have disappointment I mean it, all of it right so this isn't like 
I've arrived and I'm teaching you and, 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 and telling you how it ought to be. This is, we're all in the same boat here. Okay. But we should all be people that are in control of ourselves. We should be people that have a balance and a maturity in us. Temperance. Temperance. Second Timothy chapter one says this. This is verses six and seven, by the way. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Self-control. Now he's telling Timothy, look, you had this powerful gift. We had that that one-time experience, right? Laying on of my hand. There's impartation. There's transfer of the mantle. There's all these things that people like to get all hyped up about. But then he's saying, hey, we need to, I'm reminding you, right? Fan into flame that gift of God. Well, wait, why do you need to fan something into flame? Because the flame has died, possibly gone down to little embers, and we need to do some fanning to get it back and regenerate, rejuvenate. Because every experience in God, once you get past it for a few months, a few years, yeah, you can talk about and remember it and have nostalgia and stuff, but it's not going to carry you into tomorrow, right? This is why we need, I'll say, fresh manna to use some some scriptural and uh, and um, religious lingo, right? But we need a freshness in God. We need every day bread of heaven, right? We need we need it. Give us this day our daily bread. We need new, fresh, continual, consistent. And then he says, for God gave us not a spirit of fear, because when fear starts to set in, fear of disappointment, fear of frustration, we talked about this last time when we talked about courage, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time, but fear of lots of things, right? It can start to slow us down, stop us, hinder us, right? But God hasn't given us that. That's coming from somewhere else. What did God give us? Power, love, and what? Self-control. You know, power and love, yeah, you know, power, love, man, self-control, ooh. <laughs> but yes, and self-control. God has given us a, a mandate to be people of self-control. Now, this is not the um this is not the spirit of the age. When you've got people, you know, in the streets doing demonstrations over every single little thing that happens in society now. I mean, it's it's almost a hip, cool, you know, hipster thing to, you know, let's let's go riot. Let's 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 go demonstrate. Um and as long as we're peaceful, I guess, you know, whatever, you got the time. Um, but I mean really peaceful. <laughs> Not mostly. It was mostly peaceful. I mean, only three people died. It was mostly peaceful. Only it was only six million dollars worth of property damage. That's that's not peaceful. Mostly peaceful equals not peaceful. And so I mean peaceful. Get out there with some signs, you know, whatever. You know, don't be blocking traffic and that kind of stuff. I mean, you're out there just hey, we're, we want to be heard. Great, fine, go for it. But a lot of that stems from our culture of feelings over action our culture of feelings over facts, our culture of feelings over reality, 
I feel this way, so it must be true. Well, I mean, it is true that you feel that way, but that doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it true in reality. But this is our culture. I mean, even these simple facts of biology are are under fire and in question and on the table for dispute and, and, and disagreement because we are such a culture of feelers. Bunch of, I mean, you just go... Go take 10 of your mo- of random friends on Facebook and just scroll through their posts and you will see that what I'm saying is true. It's it's about feeling. It's all it's feeling. It's it's just a a culture of we're led around by our feelings. But that's not self-control because today I could feel really great about something. And tomorrow after a setback, after others, oh my goodness, I thought I was just going to make a bold declaration and from that moment on ride the wave until I die. No, you might have really felt during that bold declaration, I'm going to start this job. I'm going to have a better marriage. I'm going to be a man of God from this day forth. And then there's a little bit of opposition, and it's like, oh, man, your next post is, oh, why is life so hard? And again, you can do this. It, it, it's probably fun. I think Facebook <laughs> Facebook stalking has, has replaced people watching, right? You don't, you don't have to go to the mall anymore and just observe people or Walmart or, you know, something. You can just go on Facebook and just just scroll. And I don't really do this. I'm just saying. I know this is a thing. I know because I know enough. I'm rarely on Facebook, um, just because it's. I don't have time for that. <laughs> People who live in reality, unless you've got a business on Facebook. Now, don't get me wrong. There. I mean, if you're on Facebook generating leads, doing videos for your business, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the casual who has time to be on Facebook a lot. I, I'm not. I'm saying I'm not, I'm not saying I'm never on Facebook. Sometimes I do. I go on there, scroll, like some, like a comment here and there, or whatever. But these people that get sucked in, they're you know, ten minutes in the morning, thirty minutes at lunch, another fifteen minutes in the evening. I mean, my goodness, that's thirty, forty-five minutes, an hour, hour and a half of your day. Yes, spread around, but it's still that much time doing nonsense. Um, but. You know it's true. Go scroll. Go look. And you'll see somebody way up here one day. Man, God is so good. I feel like an, you know, it's the meme with an eagle flying. You know, and there it's a it's an awesome post about the strength of God and flying through the storm. And then you scroll a little bit more, and three days later, they're all despondent and frustrated. And why is anybody or why is life so hard? It's like, give me a break. But here's why. We're led by our feelings. We're led by our feelings. We're not led um, by truth and reality. We're people of feeling and not people of action. But if we want to be a man or a woman of God, if we want to be in the kingdom of God, if we want to be effective in the kingdom of God, if we want to be saved, if we want to be people that are actually going to endure to the end, okay, we need self-control. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Right? We may not be in control of our feelings 100% of the time. Now, over time, as we control the things we can control... 
we will begin to to control even how we respond, even our feeling toward things. But but let's just start with, you know, we're we're not in full control of our feelings at all times. We can't always control every thought that jumps in, you know, just pops into our mind. We can't control, you know, you you go to sleep at night, you can't always control exactly what your what your dreams are. Right? But you know what we can control? We can control what we do. <laughs> oh man. I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself right now, right? We can control what we do though. We can control how we react. Well, that you don't understand. They slighted me. They offended me. They, that might be true. And you might truly be hurt or truly be offended or truly, you know, but how do you react? Oh, buddy, you are in 110% control of how you react, Right? Our body might have reflexes, right? You you go to the doctor and your knees are hanging there and they boop with the little hammer thing. You, you, even there, you are somewhat in control because if you really think about it and you, you tense up and you pull your leg down, you can stop your knee from moving. But if you're just kind of hanging there, again, you're just hanging there, hanging out, your legs just draped over and you're just relaxing, right? You're just totally relaxed. Boom, you're not in control of that reflex, but when it comes to our reaction in life to things, we can control it. We could say that's reflex. Well, I'm just Italian, or I'm just Irish, or I was just raised this way, or I just naturally, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm 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 a naturally impatient person, um, and so I can have feelings of impatience or get frustrated with something because it's not doing, you know, it's not happening like I think it should, or as quickly as I think it should, or somebody's not growing like I think they should, or somebody's not, you know, somebody's not mature like they should be, you know, a year in, three years in, five years in, somebody should be mature, somebody should be, should be, should be, and that's, that's even true, but my reaction I have control of. Do you lovingly just continue to try and lead and shepherd and, um, or I say you, I'm you know, talking about me using myself as an example here. Or do you get bent out of shape and send a nasty text or, you know, say something, you know, go over in anger? Um, again, doesn't mean you can't even address issues or situations, but we are in control of our facial expressions. We are in control of, and, and that's what the, the scriptures let us know, right? Temptation is not the same as sin. It's when we start to do what? Act on the feeling act on the desire, act on the thought that comes into our mind. We just had a a really good couple of weeks ago, several weeks back, we had a great interview with the folks from Change Movement. And um, in that discussion, talking about the LGBT community and, and people struggling with different things, uh, it was this whole, this right here was brought up. Struggling with feelings or temptations is not a sin right? But it's giving into. It's giving into. So let's give some examples, right? You you may not be able to help that feeling of, say, we'll just say frustration. You feel frustrated, and it was a really, it was a frustrating situation, right? And maybe let's just, for, for kicks and giggles, let's just pretend you're 100% right. You're 100% in the right. And you're frustrated, but you can control the, the words you speak, the tone of voice, 
even the timing of addressing a situation, because some situations need to be addressed, especially when you're in leadership within a, a family, right? You're the parents. Uh, you're in leadership at, at, at work, leadership in the church. Things, some things need to be addressed. Um, but what does the timing have to be? Does it need to be right this second when you're really frustrated, or do you have time to kind of pull back, pray, and then go deal with it in a day or a week? When it's dealt with, the tone of voice, how you speak, you're frustrated with someone, right? Frustrated with your boss because you didn't get the promotion. Well, you just found out and you're super, is that the time to go deal with it? Or, okay, let's breathe, call some, call a lifeline, call a friend, let's pray, right? You're in control of that. You may not, you know, be able to help feeling angry when you're slighted or hurt or taken advantage of, but you are in control of whether you reciprocate how you deal with it. We are in control of that, right? You can't help sometimes feeling tired or stressed or overwhelmed or depressed even or anxious, but we're control of the actions before, during, and after. I think that's important too. Sometimes we're in control of the situation leading up to the stress or the depression, okay? But we we mess that up, and then we're in a state of being overwhelmed. Well, you're overwhelmed because you took on too much debt. You're overwhelmed because you put yourself in a position where you weren't ready for that. You're overwhelmed. Now, you can't undo the past, so now you're, we have to be in control of what goes on now and forward, Right, but then once we control that, we we work that out. Now we need to go back and sort of do a, do a post mortem on this, do a, an evaluation. How did I ever get there? Oh, why well, I, I made this decision, that decision, and now it's like okay, let's not be in this situation again. So really, even in times where we feel like no, it was out of control, it was things outside of my control, sometimes these atmospheric or environmental factors. The only reason you were you were ever even in the position for sometimes even that temptation is because you were on the wrong side of town, <laughs> right? The reason, well, I just fell into, well, but leading up to that, right? You, you, you didn't, you didn't make any prayer meetings for six weeks. You weren't at, you were at church twice. You know, when I say at church, right? Gathering together with the body of Christ doesn't have to be a service on Sunday, but again, right? We're not connecting with the body of Christ. We've you know, been together with the with people and accountability and fellowship and love and this kind of thing. You know, twice in the last six weeks, uh, haven't been praying like I should, haven't been in the Word like I should. Right? Then a situation pops up that's tempting, and we have taken away the walls and busted. You know, torn off our armor, and then we give in to the temptation. Wow, well, oh, man, I couldn't. Yeah, first of all, you could you could control yourself, but next up, you control. You were in control of the situation leading up to it. So we often, we give ourselves and sometimes we give other people too many excuses and ways out and, and don't focus on we need to have self-control. And this is, I'm telling you, I'm preaching, to, I'm, this is me preaching to myself. I am, there are so many times, like, well, I just blew up in anger. Yeah, but, but <laughs> what was going on leading up to that? Well, yeah, I probably should just let that, let that comment slide and not escalate it, but I had to say this, and then they said this, and then I had to defend myself, and then they said this, and then I exploded. Well, shouldn't have defended yourself. Maybe you should have thought about, you know, th this is the thing. This is the thing. This is where we have to go. This is where, if we're going to be warriors and not little wimps, 
walking around, then we need to start to live like this and incorporate this. And it's not easy. And this is not some, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to make a bold declaration today and we're going to do it. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to take messing up. But, but, but on the path of this is how we're going to operate. Check this out. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay? Notice, these are opposing actions. This isn't some ethereal concept. All right? Walk by the Spirit. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Those are actions. Because you will be tempted. Right? We are walking around in a body. Okay? But what does he say? Walk, that's an action verb, right? Walk in the Spirit. It doesn't say just have the Spirit. Just lounge around. I'm Spirit-filled. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, I'm Spirit-filled. I'm thinking so. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, of course, it's it's vitally, critically, salvifically. Is that a word? I just coined it. You know, yes, it's absolutely critical that we're filled with the Spirit, but... Being filled with the Spirit isn't going to do us a whole lot of good if we're not walking in the Spirit. That takes work. It takes action, right? That takes self-control. Because what? We're controlling ourselves to walk in the Spirit and not gratify the lust of the flesh. A few verses later, he gets into the um, the works of the flesh, Galatians 5. Right now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this, or things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who, check this out, do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, God gave me this revelation as I was studying for this, so I'm going to share it. It just on, I mean, of course, it's like conceptually I know this, but from this verse, it just jumped out at me. Those that do these things, if you're tempted with drunkenness and envy, and you're tempted with sexual morality, and you're, I don't know, you're tempted to get into sorcery, you're tempted, right, with, with fits of anger, or causing division, or whatever it is, you're tempted with it, but you don't do it, guess what? You're not, you're not in this boat. It's those that do them, and he calls them, he doesn't call them, he doesn't call, he doesn't start talking about the temptations of the flesh. He says the works of the flesh. He says works, and he says those that do them. So we shouldn't beat ourselves up too much when we're tempted by things, because we're human beings and we're going to be tempted. But this is where self-control comes in, because <laughs> we are in control of what we do. You and I are in control of what we do. And what we want to do a lot of times is bring that feeling nonsense into it. Well, you don't understand my situation. And oh, you don't understand what kind of stress I was under. And you don't get it. I was just angry. And this went on and that went on. And trouble at home and trouble at work. And so I gave in. And and what? And here comes the doing. <laughs> right? I'm with you all the way up till then. Well, maybe. Because the problems at work might have been stuff that you did and that led up to that. The problems at home might be stuff that you're doing uh, that led up to that. So, But before we unpack any of that, before this is what happens like in counseling, right? But before we unpack any of that, let's just right here, the moment, what you did right here and right now, you did something, Right? Even the thought right before the doing, you could have stopped it and said, I'm not going to do it, though. I really want to right now. I want to put a javelin right through somebody's neck. But you didn't, <laughs> right? But that's self-control. 
So I just thought I'd share that little tidbit. Um, you know, it, it's a working, right? It's a gratification of the flesh. It's action. And then look at this. Galatians, then he, of course, he juxtaposes this. He puts it right there with the fruit. You got the works, you got the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what da 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 self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Right? We have crucified our flesh. We take action. We do these things. If we live by the Spirit, let us also check this out. This is so crazy. Again, as I was saying this, I was like, what? Keep in step with the Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit. And guess what? The fruit of the Spirit, the natural outgrowth of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, all these things. This is the faithfulness. This is the natural fruit that begins to bud. It begins to want to come forth, right? An apple tree wants to give apples, but do all apples tree, apple trees produce apples? No. <laughs> right? A blueberry plant, they call them a plant or a tree. It looks like a plant to me. Uh, maybe they say tree, but, you know, take my kids, go, you know, blueberry picking or strawberry picking or whatever. It's, you know, a lot of fun, but you got those blueberries just growing there. It's like, ooh, just pick that blue, big, nice, juicy looking blueberry. Right? But but all all blueberry plants don't produce blueberries. Why? It's a blueberry plant. Why aren't you producing blueberries? Good question. Because there are things stopping the fruit from growing and and coming to fruition, right? I will say it this way. This is the um this is the uh the, the Pastor Steve version, the PSV, if you want to read the PSV Bible. <laughs> I don't recommend you do, but, but again, this is just the kind of the way of I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. The DNA of fruit production occurs when we are filled with the Spirit. You get the, you, you are filled with the Spirit of Almighty God, that Holy Spirit living in you. You've now got the DNA of producing that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But why is it that every person that's Spirit-filled isn't walking, walking around in all of these things in abundance? Now, you and I can be honest. We know people, you know people, you know pastors, you know church leaders, you know uh, good old hardened, mature saints of God, you know, I mean, that struggle with some or all of these. I struggle with some of these, you struggle with some of these. If you're going to tell me you're walking around in perfect harmony with all the fruit, I'm going to say, Boop. I don't believe you. <laughs> because we are people and we struggle with things. But it's not that it's not there. It's that we're not keeping in step. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if you want to know if somebody's living in the Spirit, you'll, you'll be able to see they're keeping in step with the Spirit. Right? The fruit comes forth from the Spirit, but it's up to us whether we allow that fruit to grow, right? to germinate, to come to fruition, or if it's going to die on the vine. So how do you know or test if somebody has love, peace, faithfulness, self-control, right? Somebody that says, oh, I just had love of Jesus just flowing through me and never shows up to things, 
They're not letting that love for their brothers actually translate into action for them. They are lying. They're lying. John tells us this. They're lying. You got something. You got some feeling. But you you aren't showing any love. And the evidence of having love is the fruit. Let's see it. Oh, I just love God so much. And then we, we go and we disobey his commands. We go and we do the opposite of what he requires and what he desires for us. But we love God? Wrong. We say we love God, but we actually don't. Because if we do, there will be fruit of that love. Right? The fruit of love, there's got to be action there. Peace. I'm a man of peace. I have the peace of God just flowing through me in every fabric of my being. And then somebody pulls out in front of them in traffic while they're on their way somewhere important. And then they just let it rip. Oh, you have peace, do you? <laughs> right? We can talk about the fruit and, and we can pay lip service to being loving and gentle and all this stuff. But are we? When the rubber meets the road, it's when the action comes forth right? Oh, faithfulness. I'm just so, are we? Somebody that says they have the fruit of self-control, do they? What about when they don't get that promotion? What about when uh, their spouse flies off the handle and says something mean or nasty or cutting? Do they have self-control then? Right? So all of these requires, you remember the works of the flesh, he talks about the works, the action, the doing. When he shifts gears to the spirit, he's talking more of the underlying, right? The fruit is love, joy, peace. But he's not saying you just automatically have all these things. You're just automatically going to be these things. He says we have to keep in step with the spirit. We got to cultivate that fruit and nourish it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Hopefully you'll get some stuff out of it. Do you have any questions or comments on that? Hey, leave them in the uh Leave them on the, on the Facebook video, um, or you can podcast at breadbreakers.com. Shoot us an email. Let us know your thoughts. Um, Facebook's probably the best place to do that, though. <laughs> we got some community there on Facebook, but lots of different ways. Lots of different ways. want to hear from you and know, what are your thoughts on this? First time you ever heard anything like that, or have you known this for a long time and you're wondering how in the world you know I was such a dunce and didn't see this first time I read it? Either way, let us know. Um, so I'm going to go through here just a few areas of control, some areas where we need to exhibit some self-control, and then we're going to end it, going to wrap it up. We need to, self-control is not something that we just do, you know, in one place. Some people might have a lot of self-control in their finances and zero self-control in their attitude, right? The scriptures don't tell us to have self-control just in spiritual things or just in, but rather to have self-control across the board. We are supposed to have self-control. We are supposed to be people that are in control. We have self-control. So the first thing I want to talk about is, is self-control just in general, right? A personal mastery and self-control of ourselves. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. So he is he is putting the analogy of a hardcore trained athlete. I mean, grit, 
pushing themselves. Yes, I'd like to have a few more grapes, but I am not going to because I've got this race that I'm going to, you know, I mean, just, just this, this picture of someone in a boxing match, someone in a, in a, um, either, a, a some kind of sprint or some kind of marathon. I mean, this is an athlete, right? This isn't just somebody in the gym for the first time, kind of hitting the heavy bag a few times, right? And look what he says in verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What does he say? I discipline my body and keep it under control. What's he saying? I control my actions. I control my actions. That's what he's saying. That's what I've been saying this whole time. But see, I got it from Paul. Um, Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What is it that teaches us to be self-controlled and renounce ungodly and worldly passions? It's the grace of God. So if we're really walking in the grace of God, if we're really recipients of the grace of God, guess what we will be? We will be people who are living in self-control. Romans 13, 14. Again, right. We, we, let me just, again, reiterate. None of us is perfect. So when I say living in self-control, I don't mean you never make a mistake. But we are people who learn this and we do it. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's self-control, folks. That's self-control. Not only just don't gratify the sinful desires, but don't even make room, right? If, if, if gratification and sin are at step three, we actually don't even go past step one. We don't even enter into the first step toward that. That is what he's saying. Don't even make a provision for the flesh. This is you know, similar to where he told Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Just get on up out of there, bro. Because there's a wisdom in establishing boundaries and walls and fences and protection that is beyond just the precipice. Right here's the edge of the cliff. Are you going to build the fence right there at the edge so that if somebody climbs over, they're they're done. There's no safety. No. If you go anywhere and you see any, uh, you go to a, um, you go to a um like a hotel that has like a lakefront or something like that, or or be sometimes even beach and stuff. But there's water around. There's potential for maybe gators and snakes. I live in Florida, so that there's definitely potential all the time. Um, and they might have a fence there. But you know what? The fence is usually not right on the water. It's 40 feet back from the water. Why? Because if you climb over the fence, they want to be able to have an opportunity to stop you before you get to the water where the danger is. And, and vice versa. If an alligator climbs out of the water, they don't want the fence right there. They want that thing to have to move, 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 move. And there's plenty of time to either see it or it get discouraged and get back in the water, right? This is, this is, we all do this. We are all this way, okay? 
except many times when it comes to spiritual things. Because when, when it comes to spiritual things, you can't always see the destruction that's happening. A lot of times it's, you know, 15 years later, we look back and realize, oh my goodness, look at this horrible road I've been on all this time. But it's not like the first time we make a bad decision in the wrong direction towards sin, you know, God immediately, you know, a hand appears in the air and slaps us aside the head. If that happened, there'd be a lot, a lot fewer people sinning or even moving in the direction of sin. But God doesn't work that way. You know what he does? He tells us to have self-control. So that's the personal side. Financial, making wise decisions in our finances. Now I'm going to, you know, I'm picking a few highlight. There's self-control in all areas, but a few big areas in our lives. Proverbs 21, 17, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Why? No self-control. You indulge in yourself. You make the money. You spend it on yourself. I deserve this. You don't know what I came from. You don't know my background. And so now I'm going to do stupid stuff with my money. That makes zero sense. Like I came from a hard background and that gives me the right to do stupid things with my money. You're just making it. You came from a hard background and you're going to make it harder on yourself. How about I came from a hard background, I've learned some hard lessons, and now I'm going to be wise with my money. That's what the Bible is saying. Whoever loves pleasure, going to be poor man, <laughs> right? And not just poor in riches necessarily, right? This is talking about poor in money, but also poor in spirit, poor in relationships. You can have a lot of money and be a destitute person. This is why a lot of Hollywood folks who have a lot of money and fame commit suicide, okay? Because ultimately, it's emptiness and darkness, it's a desert on the inside, and it's filthy rich on the outside. Guess what happens? They blow their brains out. Because what matters is the eternal. And if this somehow gets in the hands or in front of some Hollywood person, listen to me, I'm telling you right now. Jesus loves you. The world does not. You need Jesus. If you're thinking about drugs and ending it all, and it doesn't matter if you're in Hollywood or not, I can tell you right now where you've gotten the position where you are, the, the thoughts going through your head, those are not from God. That's coming from the choices you've made up to this point. It's time to make different choices. It's time to have self-control and choose Jesus Christ. It's the hard road of the narrow. It's the hard road. But guess what? It's a hard road with major benefit. Or you can pick the easy road of destruction. That, again, even that self-control, that's on us. You, We choose which path. We choose which path. So in finances, it's very important. Proverbs 21.20, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. I could go on and on and on, but I, I won't. Over and over on the finances, right? You, you know, the, the, the little story of the ant and the grasshopper. The grasshopper's goofing off, joking around. Why are you guys working so hard, man? Then winter hits and grasshopper's starving and cold wants to come over and partake. And the ant's like, I don't think so, bro. Where were you during the heat of summer when we're working hard, right? We all love goofing off until goofing off doesn't pay off. And then we want somebody to clean up our mess. But at the end of the day, that's not what's going to happen. So we have to be self-controlled now. I'd rather be doing this, but I'm going to have self-control and do this because this is the path of the future, a good future for me, for my family, for my eternal salvation. Right? Then there's relationals. We got financial, we got personal, we got relational. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man 
not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Guess what? Self-control. Sexual immorality, right? Goofing off outside of marriage is sin. Okay? It's sin. Okay. How many of us have done horrible things and they're sinful? It's not a sin that we can't get over. It's not a sin that we can't be forgiven of, but it is sin. So we recognize it as sin, and then we know Jesus and grace and the blood. They're all there for us. But what's he saying? Self-control. You know, you want to be single? Then you got to have self-control. If, you, if, you're, if you're too tempted or whatever, then you know what? Find a good spouse. And then, of course, we can get into what the... <laughs> what the uh, specifications are for a good spouse. There's a lot of them in the Bible, and if we looked for them, most people would not be in the problems they are maritally and familially. Familially? Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Um, we just wouldn't have a lot of these problems if we did it God's way from the beginning. And there's a lot of folks that are stuck. There's a lot of folks that are in a relationship. There's a lot of folks that are married and have children that didn't do it God's way. And you know what? There's forgiveness and there's love and there's mercy and God will help you through. But you got to start doing it God's way now. Let's start now having self-control. Bad decisions, poor self-control is what got us here. Now it's time to be warriors who make the hard decisions but move on with God. That's really what separates it. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Self-control. Don't fly off on your kids. Don't frustrate them, provoke them, right? But what? Raise them up in discipline and instruction. That takes a lot of self-control. If you have kids, you know you will be saying amen and amen. A lot of self-control. In the family dynamic, it takes a lot of self-control. In relationships, husbands and wives, children, uh, uh, parents, there's a lot of self-control that's needed. We do a lot of unnecessary damage uh, to our families many times when we don't have proper self-control. And remember, we are in control of those actions. You might be so mad at your kid right now that you could fill in the blank, but you don't because you exhibit self-control. That's the thing. Lastly, we're going to go with spiritual. First uh, John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. First Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. We need to have self-control even when there's prophetic words, there's teaching coming forth. Don't just jump on everything. Oh, that man, that sounds so good to me. It was super hyped up, and man, it benefited me, so it's definitely got to be true. Right? That is not the way to go. We need to test things. We need to be people that think about, ponder, and go, and study. And we that, that needs to be our um, modus operandi. That's how we need to operate. Now, that's, that's self-control. That requires self-control. It requires an element of maturity and balance. We're not just going to jump on things. We're not just going to... We are going to consider things and and be people that tests, yes, even a prophetic utterance, we're going to test it. Okay, we're going to test it. We're not just going to, oh, God was moving and somebody said something, so it must be God. Well, God could be moving and somebody say something and it's not God. And we need to be able to test things. Acts 24, 25, and he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I have an opportunity, I will summon you. 
right? Notice that he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. I think there's a very clear link between those things, right? Righteousness, self-control, and guess what? There's a coming judgment. Are we exhibiting self-control to be able to stand before God in judgment? Or are we not exhibiting self-control and going to stand before God in judgment? You, I think it's obvious which of the two is the better scenario. Um, la- lastly here, um, Titus 1, 7 and 8. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, many of these things actually, they, they, they speak of self-control in themselves. Can't be quick-tempered. Well, I mean, that's somebody that's, right, has self-control. Uh, needs to be disciplined. Yeah, well, obviously somebody that's disciplined has self-control, but then he also says self-control. I mean, it's like layers of self-control. It's a requirement for leadership, right? Leaders have to have self-control. And this a lot of times is one of the things that people people want the maybe they want the limelight or they want to be have be a position of influence or the clout or whatever supposedly comes with leadership. <laughs> I think I don't know. But um but but it's a person that's not disciplined. Right? They're here, they're not. They're in, they're out. They're up, they're down. That's not discipline. You'll you you're, you'll never be a leader for God. Doesn't mean you won't be a leader in a church. <clears throat> Doesn't mean somebody won't won't see what they can get out of you or, or unwisely put you in a position or give you a title, but God's not going to recognize it. If you're not disciplined, upright, self-controlled, can't be arrogant, you're above reproach. I mean, th- this literally slashes so many people right out of the, the running for leadership. It's not even funny. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, who gets to be a leader? <laughs> not that many. <laughs> uh, in God's calling. I want to reiterate that. There's lots of leaders who God doesn't even recognize them as a leader, but they have a church of thousands of people. So who cares? And I think that's the thing. Is your goal to, in front of many people, be a leader? Or is it before God you're a leader? (laughs) Because you can have one without the other. And most people, in reality... They prefer, I want the crowds, I want I want to be in people's eyes. And God says, well, I guess I'll see you at judgment. The issue is we need to read these kinds of things. If we're feeling a call of leadership or we or that's something we the Bible says you desire to be, you know, an elder, you have have that office of a great, you desire a good thing. That's great. But here's requirements. <laughs> and self-control is a huge one. You can look at, again, that was Titus chapter 1, and you can go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, which also reiterates this. We need self-control. we got to be people of self-control. We can look through the Scriptures and see where men of God, men of God who were called of God, uh, lost self-control, and there were dire consequences. Think Adam. Think Adam. He, he, he was in control. What did he do? What did he choose? Mm, right? Think Moses, second time with the rock, right? Speak to the rock, the water will come out. He's frustrated. He's angry. Everybody, everybody would have been. There's not a person on the planet before, during, or after Moses that wouldn't want to, oh, those people that just ran him ragged, ungrateful, unsubmitted, 
uh, ugh, just causing division and complaining all the time. I mean, who wouldn't go completely bonkers? But up to the point where he struck the rock, I mean, going bonkers in his own mind, he could have went back to the tent and been like, oh, I need you right now. But instead, what happened? He chose to strike that rock. And that put him out of the promised land. Samson, oh, come on. Joker just couldn't control himself, right? But he could. That's the thing. He could. He was in control. He did what he wanted to do. You know, people talk about, oh, I lost control. No, you didn't. You never, if you lost control and you fell on the ground and were flopping and like, you know, you're having a seizure, that's a loss of control. Okay. When you do something as an act of volition, that is not a loss of control. You were in control. That's what you wanted to be doing at the time. Oh, I didn't mean to, I lost control and slapped, you know, my kid. You didn't lose control. You got mad and slapped your kid. Don't blame it on a, on a, Lack of, I lost control. Oh, so you fell down and blacked out? No, you didn't lose control. <laughs> I've used this I've used this excuse before and so have you. Come on now. Oh, I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, you do. You were. You knew exactly what you were doing. Right Now that you're seeing the ramifications and you're thinking more clearly, you're like, oh, but yeah, we were in control. Come on. David, same thing. He was in control of the whole thing with Bathsheba and all that stuff and then murdering her husband. And he was in control the whole time. Yeah, I'm sure he could look back and be like, what was I thinking? I was totally out of control. No, you weren't. You knew what you were doing, bud. And that's where we need to own up and be warriors. When we make a mistake, own it. Own it. Repent. Own it. That's what warriors do. Own it. Yes, I was in control. And you know what I did? I chose the wrong thing and I flew off the handle and I shouldn't have done that and it was wrong and I repent and I'm going to do better. That's it. Okay, but what happens is we want to we want to equivocate. We want to give ourselves excuses, and you don't understand my situation. Blah blah blah. That's a wimp. That's what wimps do. We want to be warriors in the kingdom of God. People that God can use. People that God can bless. You know what? I want the lid to be exploded on my finances, where God can give me billions of dollars and trust me with it. Okay, I don't want God to have to put a lid on me and push me down and not bless me in certain ways because He knows I can't control it because I had no control over myself. <laughs> I don't, well, I do, but I control myself improperly. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I want, I want God to be able to use me in any way, any capacity that he sees fit. Don't you? Don't you want to have the best family you can have? Don't you want to have the best marriage you can have? Don't you want to have, you know, the best that God can bless you with? Well then, let's be warriors and let's exhibit some self-control. So I hope that this has helped you. We've now gone through both patience I'm sorry. No, we haven't. Patience. It's not something we've gone through. <laughs> we've, we've done courage or fortitude and temperance or self-control. These are cardinal virtues. They are things that warriors, every warrior, needs to have. And I hope this has helped you. Have some self-control right now and hit that like button. Give us that thumbs up. Subscribe. Hit that bell. And we will catch you on the next episode.